Welcome to another Deep Dive episode of Hell in a Cell Phone. I'm Aaron Benoit, joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello. And also, Eric Silver. Uh, hello. How's it going? <laughs> You're not happy to be on the podcast that's as long we don't... as your average Super Bowl? Do we do that for, for these episodes? I thought we only did it for the other ones. I don't know, well, man. Are... We... These are getting long enough to qualify, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, well, you know what? I'm happy to be on the podcast that's uh, as long as watching every uh, Super Bowl halftime show back-to-back that that was in the homework today. We're going back to January 31st, 1999 and Super Bowl 33. That was the Denver Broncos versus the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, The game, if you do not remember, was a pretty one-sided affair. Early in the fourth quarter, there was a 94-yard kickoff return by the Falcons in order to get the score up a little bit, but it was Broncos all the way. Broncos 31, Falcons 19 at the end. John Elway retires on top, and Bobby, I swear that's the last I'm talking about sports for the entire episode. I know you had sent over like the run of show here of like what we're going to be going over like in this episode. Um, and when you wrote the game, I was like, what did Triple H have to do with this story? <laughs> <laughs> Like, it took me so I, long yeah. for it even to occur to me that you were talking about the actual football game. So, the, the, yeah, the, the, that's the segment. The segment we just covered was the game. Yes. Um, it's funny. I was going to ask if John Elway was the quarterback because um, I think him and Jake Plummer are maybe the only ones I really know. And and whoever's uh, married to Kristen Cavallari. Those are the only two um, quarterbacks that you know? From from the from the Broncos. Oh, okay. I know. I only know. I only know Broncos quarterbacks. It's a weird. It's a thing about me. I just like. I love the horses. Um, no, uh, but I was thinking about it, and I realized like uh, I have a real like hole in my life. Not just from when I was living outside of the country, but I was thinking. I'm like. I was like, man, in college, I just don't remember watching the Super Bowl at all i don't think because like there were we didn't really have tvs like there was i was living in a dorm i didn't have a tv in my room uh there was a tv in like the common area but i never hung out in the common area because it was like i was in a really artsy dorm and like i don't know everyone was like watching buffy or something at different times that's so like by the way i know it actually does sound great but like uh you know, there was no, nobody was ever getting together to watch the game. And I, I like, I just don't think it was even on my radar at this point. I mean, like, obviously, when I was in, you know, growing up. And hey, Eric, it's Super Sunday. School. That's the day that we discuss Pablo Neruda. You ready? <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, hey, guys, are you guys, is everyone ready to share our feelings? So uh, you- no, but like. Sorry, when I was in high school and middle school, like I would go to friends' houses and you know, like I'd watch with like their family or you know, with my family. Although my, you know, they're not they're not big on watching the game that much. But like, so I watched it then. But then I think in college, I just I just didn't I didn't do sports at all. It was probably like a, a real paradise for for like a Bobby Hankinson. <laughs> I um I got really into football when I was in college, but we're not at Aaron Benoit the college years yet. So, Eric, you don't remember where you were this night for the Super Bowl? Honestly, I was probably, like, going to the um, the student union because they had, uh, 
Like they they would do like like you know second run movies or like you know they they had like a movie theater and probably around this time I was like finally getting to see like I don't know Mulholland Drive or was that around this this year? Uh, that came out in '99, I think. But it I maybe saw yet. Mulholland. I well, I mean, okay, so I maybe okay, so not maybe not Mulholland Drive. I maybe saw like fight club or or like being john malcolm you know like something that came out in or around this time which was like this is a very good I think time all for of those are 1999 but we're again in january of 1999 so i probably saw like star <laughs> trek there, there we go there we go bobby, no, I, I don't know yeah bobby you remember where you were for this super bowl um, actually i do because i remember watching the halftime heat we're going to talk about Mm-hmm. Um, and in my house, I did always watch the Super Bowl. And what I mean is I was always in the room where the Super Bowl was playing. Uh, my mom, and you guys know uh, how I like to uh, feed myself during a sporting or sports entertaining event. Uh, and I think about it, and it really comes back to that's what my mom does. So, like, on the Super Bowl, like, obviously, you know, you do all the wings and the nachos and whatever. And I'd be, like, so down for that, just, like, none of the sports. So I basically just be, like, sitting around with, like, my Sega Game Gear while I was... Uh, just like shoving fistfuls of chips into my mouth. <laughs> I can picture uh, this perfectly. I remember halftime heat specifically, and I remember like uh, the house that I grew up in. I remember we were the Super Bowl we would have been watching in our like downstairs family room, and I had like went upstairs to my bedroom to watch the halftime heat. Well, my while everyone else watched the uh, halftime show. So this um, maybe might be my first time seeing the 1999 Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> it was definitely my first time watching that. Um, yeah, oh, no, definitely for me. I was uh, I was at my friend Pat's house, uh, one of my best men. If, if weddings are a thing in this COVID nineteen world, ever again, I was over at his his house, um, and there was a little bit of controversy as far as the halftime entertainment that evening. We'll get into that in a little bit. Ooh, exciting! There was a lot of entertainment that night. Kiss performed a pregame concert. Uh, of course, doing rock and roll all night and party every day. And Cher sang the national anthem. Oh, wow. Uh, was I, she wearing was she wearing the leather from like, um, if I could turn back time that video? Uh, I you know, I didn't look up that performance. I don't know what she was wearing. Well, I I hope somebody knows what I mean. Bobby obviously knows what I'm talking about from that video that. That yeah. is a ridiculous outfit. Well, Eric, it's funny you mention it because I literally wore that outfit on a Zoom comedy show last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what you were trying to be? Yes. Hence, like, the fishnets that... with the tattoo drawn on my butt. Come on. Oh. Bad, bad ally. Bad I, ally. I literally had bought... Okay, this is... I'm mean, interrupting essentially to anybody in this non-visual medium. Uh, but I had bought this pair of, of male fishnets uh, that have sort of, like, a leather you know, thong built in. And I was like, oh, I'm going to buy these literally in case one day I need to do a performance inspired by Cher if I could turn back time. Like that was literally, like it came up, I think it was like a wish.com ad. And I was like, the fuck? And then I was like, you know what, actually, it might be good to have that. And it turns out it was. Wait, have you actually bought things off of wish.com? Uh, I bought that. Uh, and I have bought, um, I bought like a weird feather shrug like a like a sh- like a feather shoulder little thing that i wore for um game of thrones bingo at park life i was positive I, I that I everything don't... is a scam on that oh it makes i mean most of the things i don't even understand actually what they're even trying to sell me <laughs> like it's wait all... can you guys can you guys tell me what wish.com is wish.com no. like pops up <laughs> no it we actually can't on... 
it pops up on your Facebook feed and it's like buy this um statue of Donatello as a samurai for wow. 14 cents. Okay, hold on. Actually, so here's here's something interesting. Um but you know all these ads are targeted, obviously. Right. So all of my wish.com ads are aggressively and deeply disturbingly sexual. <laughs> Uh, so like they are like pairs of underwear that I don't even think it would qualify as underwear. It'd be like something akin to a cock sock is what I think you would call it. <laughs> but it's like those and there's like always like weird things that have to do with like peeing. Like you pee into it or maybe you would use it to pee or maybe because I do a lot of like queer and trans like writing and reading stuff. Like maybe it's like a trans uh, like urination aid kind of thing. But it's like, oh, it's almost exclusively that i take screenshots of them all the time so i'm like literally what the fuck are, is this even supposed to be uh but that's mine, where i got the mine are almost all exclusively anime statues a thing that i have never purchased in my entire right. life but it's also kind of adjacent you know what i mean but it's also yeah. like it tracks that i would get yeah. that super weird shit and you would get that super weird shit and neither of those things are right but they're also <laughs> kind of not wrong i i feel like my like my ads if if they came up would be like uh di- like disable your facebook account for only five dollars no you find know, more no out. no yours would no. be like a joe cocker poster oh See, that's a wow i was thinking more like it'd be like uh some sort of uh like gizmo or gadget that's designed strictly to be taken apart and put back together again <laughs> <laughs> like a bunch or of like, like um, fancy gears you know what i mean like the inside of a big clock <laughs> or like or like set replicas from like cheers like <laughs> yeah, yeah like so, so, uh like a, a beer tap from that would have been used on cheers no see i feel like that's something that you would actually buy uh i mean for what keg <laughs> Honestly, well, someone posted. Eric, you are also the one who famously had a bar in our living room the entire time we lived together that was never used once. Uh, it held all of our alcohol. It was <laughs> arguably used all of the time. No, it did. All of our argue, uh, all of our alcohol sat out on the table in the kitchen. Um. Okay. Well, it had all our mixers. I don't know. It had the specialty alcohols. All right. Well, oh, okay, back to this. Yeah, speaking of advertisements, um, I, there was also several ads notable from this particular Super Bowl. Uh, we're still a year away from the "What's up, guys," Blah. but we did have an appearance by the Budweiser frogs and lizards. You remember wow. those? Oh, Bud Wise, right? Yeah, and but then. I, over the years, the Super Bowl commercials like had a storyline going, and in the previous year's storyline, the lizards tried to electrocute the frogs with the oh, neon boy. sign, and this year they were apologizing to Bud and Er, who started whipping them in the face with their tongues. Oh, look, God, look, oh. I can't keep up with the Budweiser cinematic universe. Okay, <laughs> like I, I, I can't. You know what? I'm gonna be honest. It sound I like from that description. It it almost sounds to me like the the ad like the people who wrote the ad uh, the the ad wizards, if you will. Who are the ad wizards who came up with that one? <laughs> uh, that the those guys were also moonlighting as the writers for Celebrity Deathmatch. <laughs> like <laughs> it feels like very similarly. Like, hey, what if we take this idea that no one cares about and we really see it through to a conclusion that no one will care about? Mm-hmm. Um, also, one of the 
best ad campaigns that I think I can remember. The Matrix had its first commercial during the Super Bowl. And it didn't give away a lot, but then at the very end, it was, they just said, what is the matrix.com? And I remember that night getting home, going to the computer and looking that up and then like kind of being immersed in, oh, this is some weird new movie that I'd never heard of, had very little fanfare behind it. And one of the last real kind of like grassroots like, like that. Um, Blair did, they, Witch, did they come in? F- oh, go ahead. Blair Witch later on that year. I think that was later that year really did a good job with that early internet viral marketing that is so rare today. After, after you visited the website, did they come to your office building and, uh, and they were like looking for you to question you and you were trying to like crawl around and, and, and escape them? No, it was at my school. Actually, it was during, fourth well, you period. asked many questions. It was during fourth period. I, uh, <laughs> I reached into my, my book bag and there was a cell phone and there was like, I don't have a cell phone and started ringing. And then I got detention <laughs> for having it out in class. Mr. Aronson. Um, I did a little bit of digging. The Super Bowl commercials were 1.6 million for a 30 second spot back then. And so not just Budweiser, not just Bud Light, not just The Matrix and all these other movies, but the WWF, yes, this is a wrestling podcast, the WWF had its own Super Bowl commercial that year. Was this the um, Another Day at the Office? Yeah, One you didn't watch the... it? No, I didn't. Was it on the homework? Because I was yeah, looking it's... and you put it in there, I didn't see it in the homework. I, I, sent like, I didn't see it either. I sent an addendum email with, with it on before... Uh, because they, they put it on right before. Oh, the right, right. You see, oh, yeah, that was the one you were like, if you want to. And then I stopped reading. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so they're going around the office. First, you see Stone Cold come in um, and hit somebody with a chair. Everyone around him is fighting. Sable comes in saying, We're not just about sex to sell, as two people are making out on a desk. Uh, then The Rock walks by Kane just like sipping coffee and just kind of like devolves into violence and madness around the WWF offices. So would you say that tonally it's very, it's similar to the, this is sports center. Yes. Commercial. Yes. Very much so. Okay. Uh, Why would Kane be sipping hot coffee? You'd think this guy would be anti heat and fight and hot liquids after burning his trachea. First of all, Kane is clearly a cold brew bitch. Um, (laughs) But also, is this where they got the idea for this year's money in the bank? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes well there's honestly a, there's a yeah, lot from the, this year from yes this, uh, yeah this night yeah a lot of this applies to right now it's crazy gloria stefan the swing revival sorry <laughs> <laughs> yes oh i can't wait let's get there there's a couple of fun notes in it though like there's a blind referee walking around the offices as the undertaker's talking and then Triple H and China are just like hanging out in the lobby as mankind says that WWF is making it a better place for mankind. Um, and then some guy falls out of a window as Vince McMahon goes, get it? WWF attitude. So before we get to the halftime entertainment, and there were several options that night, we're going to go back to the Raw on January 25th. The Rock is in the ring accepting a challenge from Triple H for his own I Quit match later on that evening. Mankind, cut to backstage, Mankind is saying that he's looking for Mr. Sacco, but instead 
knocks out two security guards and opens the unlocked door to a to an armored car and takes the $100,000 that was originally going to be to the person who eliminated Stone Cold Steve Austin, but Vince has earlier in the night promised it to The Rock. All right. Um, the main thing I took away from that is uh, Mankind has the ability at any time he wants to rob an armored car. And it's just by the grace of him not giving a shit about money that he just, like, hasn't abandoned wrestling and essentially just gone on, like, a huge spree. Yeah, Mankind, when he wants to be, is incredibly competent. But only when he wants to be. Yeah, like, those guys, he took out two guards who I presume are armed and he's just like, yep, I got the money. That's it. And like, you would think, like, this, he at one point would say, hey, you know, like, instead of like trying so hard uh, in this, uh, or, you know, th- this other profession where I'm hurt all the time, I'm disrespected. Uh, my, my, bo- I think my boss is my dad, but he also just kind of treats me like shit. You'd think he'd just kind of like go off on his own after that, but. Just didn't like, have the realization. And especially since there are no consequences for him stealing $100,000. He's not arrested at any point in this storyline. No. Also, like, also, what denomination of bills was that? You know what I mean? Like, that I was, was, like, I was $10 like, bills. Okay, I was like trying to like assert, like, like, like the size of the backpack versus the amount of money that should be in there. How many? I was like that, uh, that TikTok girl trying to figure out the, the length of that woman's uh, roots. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, it no. was like a hundred thousand in like twenty dollar and ten dollar bills. Because when definitely... he will get to will get to this when he throws it to the crowd, you could see some of them were like tens. And I, I'm sure they were all tens because a hundred thousand dollars in hundreds—that's only a hundred bills. And he's throwing yeah. through at least no, 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 no. A hundred thousand dollars in hundreds is not a, is is a thousand hundred bills, hundred dollar bills. You're right. A hundred, yeah. um, a hundred hundreds is ten thousand dollars. Yeah, you're right. Um, I just looked up how thick a stack of a hundred bills would, or a hundred thousand dollars in hundred dollar bills would be, and, and it, the internet said it would be about an inch thick. So they needed it to be a smaller denomination so that there would be more of them, and so that it could be in that bag. It, it's a lot like that coffin uh, giveaway. Like, <laughs> all singles i do want to know if we were or i'm I'm thinking about it we don't have to think about it out loud if we don't want to if this is too much of a diversion but if we were going to put together say a, a heist a heist team of nine wwe wrestlers from 1999 that we would have in our oceans nine bank heist i would definitely put mankind on mine also sunny even though it's just a really part of the baby this time <laughs> i would definitely want sunny on my heist team well, yeah, mankind. No. Mankind is your wild card. Oh yeah. Um, Why do you want a wild card on your heist team? I think you don't want a wild card <laughs> because it because keeps the they... authorities guessing. Exactly, things always go wrong. Um, uh, you you need you need a, a a pair of doofuses. So Briscoe and Patterson would be mm-hmm. on my heist team as well. Oh boy. Well, they're good cannon fodder. You know what I mean. So if you exactly. if you gotta leave anybody behind, it's gonna be those two dum dums. You need someone really agile, so I think I would take maybe like a Taka Michinoku or one of the light heavyweights that would uh, uh, do some flippy shit or whatever. Definitely Taka. Taka's dope. Hundred uh, percent Taka. Um, I would take. By the way, Kevin Kelly uh, from I think the AOL so, I, Lounge. 
<laughs> I, I think, by the way, I think I think Sunny is a liability. She's got a substance problem. I think, like, you can't, after the, the heist is taken care of, you know that's all going to go straight up her nose. Yeah, she'd be like uh, um, the girl in, uh, in uh, Jackie Brown, the blonde that stays with uh, Robert De Niro. Bridget you Fonda. Miss? Yeah, she'd be her. Yeah. You get, you'd have to get rid of her real quick. Yeah, but or she'd be the honeypot. You know, it depends on what the mission is, honestly. It depends how we're getting this cash. Yeah, you, you definitely can't trust Sable to be a honeypot. Sable no. would just be like, are you attracted to me? No, Sable can't. I think can't, you're supposed to be. Sable can't act. It's like the one thing the honeypot <laughs> exactly. needs to do is a ruse. And Sable can't yeah. ruse. <laughs> right, like the guy would just like, would, would be interacting with her and he'd like suddenly flip over her. <laughs> Like he'd just be having to take bumps just because like that's all she's used to is her part her scene partner can has to uh do all the work. I really want uh, a t shirt that says Rena Marrow can't ruse. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you never know. We we may get merch for this one of these days. We could make that shirt. True. Oh, I thought you said we may get murked for this. I was like, man, someone's gonna kill us? <laughs> Yeah. For talking about Sable? Vince is like, they're coming for my money? <laughs> we got murked. Um, okay, so Mankind has the Rock's money. He comes out. He starts throwing it to the crowd in an attempt to bait the Rock. Um, and again, I really like this version of Mankind who knows how to get at people, like the master manipulator mankind who who knew that going after shane would be enough to force vince into giving him a title shot and now he knows he's never going to get another title shot so he's got to use the rock's love of money in order to bait him into accepting whatever it is that he offers this is great did anybody get the um get uh flavors of um that scene with the joker in in uh tim burton's batman where like in Tim the Burton's crowd was in just going night. no in Tim Burton's oh, Batman where oh, oh. the crowd was going insane for uh for the money he was throwing them mm-hmm. and like I just kept thinking like what if the money just has mankind's face on it <laughs> <laughs> or at the end he's gonna release a gas that's gonna turn them all into mankind's yeah, exactly. <laughs> they all just have like a, a leather strap on them. <laughs> yeah, a leather strap grows out of their face when they're exposed to this gas. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, and the match that he proposes, he doesn't want... Oh, no, sorry. No, big important twist here uh, that Eric figured out at the end of our last episode. It wasn't mankind saying i quit i mean i think we all knew that but (laughs) it was mankind's voice recorded on a sunday night heat and then played back through the pa system yeah i'm sorry for ruining the for spoiling it for the both of you (laughs) um so mankind's uh decision is he wants a match in an empty arena where there's nobody there in order to screw him out. False count anywhere, hardcore core rules, anything goes. Yep. Yep. Okay. <laughs> A- acknowledged. 
And when is that going to take place? But halftime at the Super Bowl. So there were... There's the normal half Super Bowl halftime show. And then there were two, as far as I know, bits of counter-programming to that. There was this match here on the USA Network. And then on MTV, Death Bowl 99 Celebrity Death Match. And we're going to go through all three of those tonight. Was there no Puppy Bowl at this point? I no. honestly have no idea. No, no, no. There was not. I don't believe. I think the Puppy Bowl came much later. Um, the 99. Um, hold on. Uh, the first one was 2005. So I guess not much oh, later. Okay. I, I think much later. But uh, so the also like the genesis of this obviously came because like Celebrity Deathmatch had one of these the year before too. Um, and I think Fox also was doing like alternative programming. Uh, and that's the Super when Bowl was vi- on Fox. Maybe it was the year before then. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Hmm. He wanted to like get a piece of that sweet, sweet action. I think it was Jim Cornette uh, who brought up the empty arena idea because some of the the logistics that go into something like this is it would have to be pre-recorded because it's like an, it's like a very tight window they have to work in to time it exactly right for when the game ends and when the game when the second half of the game picks up. So they, they, that's why they decided to pre-record it. But the pre-recording they were so they didn't want any spoilers to get out. So that's why the where the empty arena idea came from. Uh, famously before Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk had an empty arena match. And that was, I believe, like the... That's where all the inspiration came together. Um, yeah, no, no, it did. Because remember, Fox used to air other stuff. They used to air, like, In Living Color or whatever during halftime. Maybe not this year, but, like, in the past. And MTV used to do, like, Beavis and Butthead, right? I believe you. I just don't remember. Yeah. I think so. I think that's, like, what... Um, those were, like, some of the other, like... There's, it wasn't, like, the old, the first time there was alternative programming, but... That, that definitely was some of the, the inspirations and the forebears that led to this. But Vince wanted a piece of that action because right now wrestling was as hot as it's ever been, like culturally mainstream. So let's go through our options for that night. And we'll start with the actual halftime show that aired on Fox that started with a pre-taped um, vignette with E.T., the extra, you know, that super relevant cultural icon et from the movie 17 years before this i have so many questions about this halftime show i mean that this like this the head the subhead of this halftime show is like a celebration of soul salsa and swing and uh, these are three flavors <laughs> that I, I don't understand who thought they go together <laughs> it was i mean it was like a like a united colors of benetton theme like they were like well we got something for the white people uh, like, you know, like they were just like, let's do, we'll do, you know, like what the, what the white craze is, which by the way, holy shit, I, I did not realize <laughs> how in, what's that? No, I'm laughing because I'm agreeing with you. I know where you're going and I'm, I'm agreeing so hard. I did. I had no idea that Swingers was that influential of a movie at this point in time. Like, I I mean, it was influential to me, but I didn't realize Big Bad Voodoo Daddy was like was was tearing up the the airwaves with go daddy o my note just says few things make less sense than the late 90s swing revival <laughs> right like, like i mean i was thinking what <laughs> i was thinking of like the gap commercial and i'm like okay so was it just the gap and like swingers that brought swing music in what happened it was a, it was a, a 
a convergence of bands at that point. So you, we had Squirrel Nut Zippers, we had Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, we had Cherry Poppin' Daddies, we had Brian Setzer, Brian Setzer Orchestra. 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 And I don't know, I guess it was just kind of like people are always looking for some kind of movement or something they could belong to or something. So it just kind of clawed its way in there. I'm sure, because I mean, there's always going to be like Rockabilly Guy. Like Rockabilly Guy always is, exists, right? Yeah, but that's but not at scale. That's like kind of comparing, you know, uh, like a, a rare virus that rarely spreads to one that's sweeping the entire world. Yeah, <laughs> like but this no, was. I mean, <laughs> but all I'm saying is, is, once it gets a toehold in, then it's able to kind of like work its way in a little bit. People think it's a thing, and it's it's. Well, we have to get to the bottom of this. Otherwise, we won't be able to prevent it coming again. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say the, the the hardest thing about the swing revolution was when the leaders betrayed the followers. <laughs> um, you know, as with any revolution, power got to their heads. They um, they they went a little too far. They they, they really they, they forgot what the revolution was about. And that was about uh, pulling people between your legs and uh throwing them up in the air and then having them land safely on the ground. I was going to say, they, they flung their partners too close to the sun. <laughs> and if there was any question on who this was for, the, the entire group of people dressed completely in white, spelling out the letters go really hit it home. What the fuck, man? I literally wrote, what were we on? Like, uh, none, nothing makes any sense. We were on like, swing, baby. Like, uh, okay, just on a, on a brief tangent, Swingers was, was an important movie to me, I think, just because, like, it was a movie that I, I like, rewatched over and over. It gave me a lot of, like, jokes that I repeated. Um, I never had a chain wallet, thank God. Uh, I never really tried tried to. Hey, hey, hey! Dance. What are you trying also, to say? Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I never wore a fedora, um, so I, I I I skirted. I I, I you know, I, I I I avoided a few landmines there. But like that, I guess like I didn't. I I always thought that movie was like kind of like a like a sleeper kind of movie. But I didn't it is. realize. But it definitely is. It, it was, but, but also but, but I don't think so. the main song from it was like is was in the Super Bowl halftime show. Right, but I don't think the two are necessarily connected. I don't know, man. I mean, like, what who would have heard no, of I, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy before that? But also at the same time, this, this stuff got like shoved down your throat on mainstream radio. I'm I'm willing to bet that that. 75% of people who owned a CD of one of these bands had never seen the movie Swingers in 1999. I would, uh, I don't know. Big Bad Bo- Voodoo Daddy. I mean, if you had said Squirrel Nut Zippers, yes. If you had said all, like, uh, the other ones you had named, uh, I, w- I would also agree. But I don't actually remember Big Bad Voodoo Daddy having an album that, I, like... But this, but GoDaddy-O wasn't even their big song. You and me. What was their big song? You and me and the bottle make three was their big song. But that was also like just on. That was mostly on swingers. I don't remember that being on radio. I I, I do. Like I remember on on WHFS that I've talked about many many times. There would be at least one 
of these swing revival songs played an hour. I'm, yeah, I guess. I mean, look, I had the Swingers soundtrack, so I liked the album, and I liked that. I liked their music, but like, I just, I always, I always associated Big Bad Voodoo Daddy with just that movie, and I never associated them with like mainstream radio play because I, it just never, you know. The other ones, yes, but but not Big Bad Voodoo Daddy for whatever reason. I don't know. I just feel like a lot of well, you were in your of, you were like, in your dorm discussing Kafka, yeah. right? I, you know what? I feel like maybe a lot of culture was influenced by like L.A. for like a long, like longer than it should have, and L.A. was like living this weird ass revolution, yeah, or revival. Uh, so should we get to the next performer? Yes, because sure. uh, then... coming up next, <laughs> coming up next, we have the villain from the Princess and the Frog. <laughs> Here we wait. We have was that. What was Stevie Wonder the villain in the Princess and the Frog? No, but he no, looks he like just him had in a this, big top with hat. that top hat. <laughs> oh, because ah. be, okay, I got two things I need to talk about here. Because first, um, so it's Stevie Wonder who comes out to celebrate the hundredth anniversary of Duke Ellington, not the hundredth anniversary of his birth or his death, just the hundredth anniversary of the concept of Duke Ellington, <laughs> and they have him driving a car. What kind of That's amazing. What kind of a set of a woman bullshit is this? I I was saying like I was like that's hilarious having Stevie Wonder in the driver's seat. But then I was like and I was like I wonder how many times he's been in the driver's seat. But then I was like, you know what? When you're rich, I bet you do. I bet he does drive a bunch. Like I bet he <laughs> I bet they let him behind the wheel all the time and they just tell him he's doing great as people like crunch <laughs> under the wheels. Yikes! Eric, turd. Eric, come in. Sorry, man. On it, Stevie Wonder. It gets it gets dark when you're rich. Did, have you guys ever have you ever heard that there's like you could go down a huge wiki hole with like the Stevie Wonder truthers? There are people what? who think that Stevie Wonder is actually sighted and that he's just been faking it all this time. Well, the good news is most of those people are drinking bleach right now, so we, they won't be around. <laughs> that, that, that theory won't last much longer. I, I'm just saying, if you if if we all have uh you know more time now, if you have a day where like you've you've hit the end of the internet, just look up like can Stevie Wonder really see? And you will like they have there's like video evidence like stuff where people have said like quote unquote that there's evidence, and this has been like going on for years, like maybe a maybe over a decade, people have been hypothesizing that. Stevie Wonder really can see. It's kind of awesome. Okay. <laughs> um, he, I really but got he's nothing. not alone. He brings friends. He brought Savion Glover, who is the Lin-Manuel Miranda of tap dancing. Oh, wow. Yes, he is. Right? He was kind can of doing like a stomp thing. A little bit to me? Because he's like kind of like making it like cool and modernizing it and like giving it that almost like a, like a different sort of like modern flair. Like taking something that's like traditionally sort of oh, like so, like how Lin Manuel Miranda made rap music cool. No, 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 but how he made how he made people who like musicals think that they're listening to rap the (laughs) same way they made people watching tap dancing think that they were watching break dancing. Got it. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Yep. This tracks. I mean, like, look, let's you know, you don't have to. It it was a, I don't know, a little bit. There was a different aesthetic assigned to it i don't know like tap dancing used to be like fred astaire and 
uh, and like you know Ginger Rogers, uh, it, Ginger Rogers, and there and like you would wear uh, you'd wear a tuxedo, and now like they're wearing looser clothing, and like you never know where they could where where somebody could break out in a tap dance routine. Yeah, I mean, again, both Savion Glover and Lin Manuel Miranda very talented. Uh, I I'm mostly reacting to the reactions. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The same way people are I like, say, "Wow, have you seen Rent? It is revolutionary." And you're like, "Yikes! Have you seen Rent? It is cheesy." <laughs> I, I I will say uh, between Sabian Glover and uh, and Lin Manuel Miranda, only one of them truly grates on me all the time now. So honestly, I, mean, I don't know yeah. which one. <laughs> I don't know. What does Sabian Glover do? He just fucking, like, uh, he, I, I haven't seen him in, like, 20 years. So I'm like, oh, cool, man. Also, like, glad, I a, glad you're tapping. I have, like, a very, very strong memory of, like, Sabian Glover having, like, a very regular presence on Sesame Street. Is, is that right? Yeah, that's probably true. He might I, have. I, I, I think I think of Gregory Hines more with Sesame Street, but we come from different eras, so who knows? Just throwing it out there. Okay. Uh, Bobby, do you have opinions on Gloria Estefan? Girl, you know I do. Uh, so we've covered, let's see, we've covered Swing, we've covered Soul, it's time for Salsa. And keep in mind, Salsa, for a callback to a joke later in the show. Uh, but we're at the Salsa portion of the show, and, uh, Gloria Estefan is incredible. She sounds great. I was getting my whole life watching this. Like, suddenly I was doing homework, and then suddenly I was living the fantasy. It was... (laughs) I loved it. I have been a Gloria Estefan stan uh, since I was a wee little child. Uh, I had to be less than five years old because I was still living in Staten Island. And I remember very vividly watching my parents' like enormous like wood-encased Zenith television, uh, VH1, uh, and like watching like a ton of Gloria Estefan videos like all the time. Very, very deeply. Probably when you guys were watching things like, I don't know, the Super Bowl or sporting events, uh, I was just like binging Gloria Estefan videos on VH1. So this was, I enjoyed this assignment a lot. So basically, Aaron, if you had said that this was optional to watch this part, I would still have watched this part. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, like, uh, Gloria Estefan is is dope. And um, I, I my funny story with her is, I once went in college, I went with a friend to this like local bar and they happened to have karaoke and we were like, we're like, you know what, you know, it'd be funny if we did like, um, turn the beat around and that's not an easy song. It turns out it's a very hard song. And we were just like, and the rat tat 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 and the drum, (laughs) like we just wanted to get to turn the beat around. It was not easy. And I respect her and the entire Miami sound machine a lot. I have, I have no real, uh, Gloria Stefan. She's good. I don't have any negative things to say about her. I'd have no but, real positive things to say about her anyway. But that goes kind I, of. Oh, sorry, Bob. Go ahead. I was saying my only notes really from her performance about how amazing it was. Uh, was like there's like a lot of this that I was like looking at and being like, what am I watching? Like there were like, people just like basically like spinning things. And then they would cut to like an aerial shot, and I was like, "What am I looking at?" Like the whole time, I was like, "Literally, what are you? What are we doing?" Like I, did, I feel like I was like hard to follow some of like the intended uh, direction. No, is that the only one? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, okay. I get you. And my, as you were thinking that, I think my thoughts were, this is like the safest entertainment that anybody could come up with. 
totally. And like, talk about like utterly lacking in ambition, like right. utterly lacking in ambition. Like even the pyro was like, like it was like very sad. I was like, yikes! Like compared to like super, like the just the sheer spectacle of the Super Bowl. And I understand like technology and times change and whatever, but it's just it was very jarring having being so used to such like such so much spectacle. It's not even the talent or the performers because if anything, I think they've gotten worse. But the uh, the just the presentation was just so cheese like bad like just not even like low budget but bad like what was even the intention of it like what would what did they think that was supposed to look like is what i want to know because i think even that from the beginning is a bad idea mm-hmm. and yeah I it think- was um oh, i was gonna say it, it was it was it, it definitely looked low stakes all of the the fireworks were all like from an aerial view so could you imagine being there and just being like oh look uh, just outside of our view is are these amazing fireworks that are kind of going off. Well, that's like every WrestleMania. True, but then they also have fireworks on the stage. Sure. So, like, sure, sure. there's something for other people to see. Um, yeah, it's just – so the year before this, um, I looked it up, and it was a tribute to Motown. The year after this, it was, like, Phil Collins and, like, the Disney Orchestra – and they threw Ugh. Christina Aguilera in there. But two years after this, that's when it was Aerosmith and Run DMC and Britney Spears. And it was actually like a cool thing. And at this point, they weren't concerned with making something cool. They were concerned with doing something to fill the time that seems big, but that isn't really anything when you look at it. Well, it's the broadest possible solution. It's like the, exactly. like you said, like the least, like the least offensive, like the most like palatable, broad, easiest thing. Like Gloria Estefan's a pretty easy sell. Like my mom mm-hmm. likes Gloria Estefan. I like Gloria. Like it's very, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find someone who actively has distaste for her. Exactly. Like, like exactly. That's me right here. Yeah. I don't stand her, but I have no ill will towards her either. Yeah. Well, isn't that isn't that how you wind up with like a whole swing dance number? It's like <laughs> there's nothing like offensive about swing because the thing about it is like it's like it's like uh it's jumpy music, so it's something you can kind of get behind. It's it's something that grandparents will like because it reminds them of like when they met their their spouses at the at the Veterans of Foreign Wars Hall and pop their cherries. And, Right when they yes when they were the cherry popping granddaddies, but like then you know and then all you know then of course you you also have like even if the music is not doing it you've got people like swing dancing which that's impressive it looks nice, um I mean a lot of this I think like it can be boiled down to like the jacket that that Stevie Wonder was wearing that just said African and American on both arms like it was just like yup this is a thing. <laughs> Well, he designed that outfit, actually. If you check Google it <laughs> on the he? internet, yeah, he said it. Yeah. <laughs> he 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 actually had it originally in in um, dots, but then they they actually connected them to no, yeah, make the lines. He, he sketched it out. He cut the pattern. He sewed it himself. <laughs> I was gonna say it's almost like the producers accidentally put their notes onto the wardrobe, and they're like, "We have our African American. Where's our Cuban?" Should we go to the next one? Yeah. Sure. All right. This was tough for me to get through. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but over on MTV, Celebrity Deathmatch aired Death Bowl 99. 
If you want to see it, you can find it on super reputable video streaming site, Daily Motion. But please put your computer in a full condom first. <laughs> I remember, like, death, celebrity death match. I, I remember kind of, like, both liking it and also not liking it at the same time. Being like, wow, I like this concept. I wish it was done by funnier people. Like, even as a child being like, mm, I kind of, like, like the idea here of, like, the celebrity parody of it all. But it's it was just the absolute, like, lowest common denominator humor. Uh, that Didn't even, it? As like the target audience, like as a let's see, a ninety-nine, literally a fourteen-year-old boy, I was like, no thanks. Didn't Celebrity Deathmatch like start as something like shorter on like Liquid TV or some shit like that? Because I remember as a kid, kind of finding it like you know, kind of like clever enough, and just being like, okay, I'm in. I'm you know, like they they did maybe like one episode of something or yeah. like one short. They and did. I was like, oh, I'm kind of into this. And then they did a full, like, full episodes. And I was like, I hate this. Um, I don't, I, I don't know if they did anything on Liquid TV. I know they did, like you said, like the sort of like one. It was like a one-off special. It was sort of like I think they did it on New Year's maybe, and then Super Bowl '98, like the year before, was the first Super Bowl one. And those were like oh, kind of like oh that might be it. And then and then after those two, then it became a real show starting like months later, like maybe like the summertime that year. But those were like the sort of pilots, more or less. And they did them as uh, two different, like two like specials. I gotcha. It's, they were kind of similar to the Brisk commercials. Do you remember those Brisk yes. ones? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, wasn't Mills Lane also involved in those? Wasn't that also Mills Lane in, the, in those commercials? It might have been. It was definitely, there was a, I think one of them was Rocky, right? So, oh. like, they, there was, like, a ring involved and similar stuff. Yeah, I might just be blending them in the the memory in my head, but... Uh, yeah, it's... But yeah. The thing about this that's, like, insane to me is, like, I, I mean, maybe they used different technology, but claymation is, like, very time-consuming, and for them to, like, make this bullshit and for it to take <laughs> so long for them to produce it i was just like god at no point was anybody sitting there going why are we doing this like what why are, what's this about like let's just get like let's just get pizza and go home the only thing about this that i legitimately laughed and enjoyed uh were the mills lane dancers that was the only thing i enjoyed um, um and they, they also made the joke that like he choreographed it himself and i was like i like this Yes. Yeah. 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 That was that was where, the only where one. they had like the, the 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 when they had the back the background dancers. Yes. Yeah. That was I the only that. that was the only joke that I was like, good joke. I I enjoyed a little bit J Lo's like ass boot camp, where she had like oh. the ass drill instructor. Yes, I that was kind of funny, and I like how they kind of used him as like a trope of like the she kind of you know what I mean she kind of falls for him. Yeah, it was it like was an good. officer and a gentleman kind of thing to it. It was fine. Yeah. yeah. But this was a fucking slog to get through. Yeah, it sucked. It wasn't uh, very funny. It was it was real, real bad. Um, and I mean, just like when you forget, like, oh right, someone's gotta die. Oh my god, the fucking the Mike Tyson versus Evander Holyfield thing, where literally they just kept hitting the same button of Mike Tyson. Of, of first of all, when you have to be like, oh, Mike Tyson is crafty. And Evander Holyfield is so dumb, he falls for Mike Tyson's tricks. You are uh, creating your own alternate universe, my friends. <laughs> like, it, oh, God, it was so, so bad. 
So yeah, so the matches that we had were J-Lo versus Dolly Parton in a meeting of ass versus tits, Madonna versus Michael Jackson, and Evander Holyfield versus Mike Tyson. And dear listeners, in case you're wondering how this ages, spoiler (laughs) alert, not well. Although in... So... Well, I was going to ask. Oh, so go ahead with your although. Although in January of 99, I probably could have jerked it to Dolly Parton's big clay titties. (laughs) Wow. I don't know. Even to this day, (laughs) there's something that I love about big fake boobies. Like, attracted to it in the same way that I'm attracted to, like, Chitara from Thundercats. or Well, everyone's attracted to Chitara. Yeah, I'm attracted to Chitara. Yeah. Yeah, Chitara was hot. But, like, first of all, I mean, maybe it's because uh, you know that Claymation Dolly Parton's titties are going to feel exactly the way real titties feel, which is, like, soft, moldable clay. (laughs) Big bags of wet sand. I probably had Um, No, I definitely hadn't touched a boob at this point. (laughs) No, definitely not. Uh, I... It's funny when as I was watching this, I wrote in the notes, I was like, "Is this supposed to be the Pepsi challenge of halftime shows?" Like in terms of um, the programming for this podcast, I was like, "Wait a minute, or, was this assigned to me so I so I can see what like WWF was up against?" Yeah, exactly. Uh, and yeah, holy shit, you figured it I out. Mean, no wonder, no wonder WWF fucking ran away with it. Well, should we go to the good stuff? Yes, please. Okay. On Sunday Night Heat, um, and if you did, you missed the optional work, Mankind arrives to an empty arena in an old Toyota. And it's, it's just a really funny image to me. But we've got Mankind versus The Rock in an empty arena where they are allowed to use the entire arena. And that they're shooting this because of COVID, right? <laughs> yeah. It feels a lot like um, some of the things that we saw in WrestleMania, but it also feels a lot more interesting and entertaining than a lot of the things we saw at WrestleMania this year. Yeah, and certainly a lot more than we're seeing week to week on on programming, for sure. Yeah, it was really weird to me that, like, I was like, oh, they've already done this before, and, like this i mean uh, it's it's very unfair to compare like a weekly yeah. you know a, like a weekly show and 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 you know especially in the middle of a vir- of you know a, a pandemic to two of the greatest wrestlers who have ever wrestled uh going up against each other and you know who who can who can uh expand to fill all of those empty seats. It's just, it's not particularly fair, but it's very interesting to see that they've had this issue before. Yeah. And I think that we're going to see it. I think really though, honestly, money in the bank is really going to be, I think very analogous to this, very analogous to this, Mm -hmm. what we're expecting this year. And when they start the ground floor of the Stanford headquarters and work their way up. Cause I was thinking about this as they were doing this in the arena. Obviously this is not happening live during the Super Bowl. This was taped days earlier, but they cut it in with live Sunday night heat to make it feel like it was happening live. They, um, but like, I was thinking with the arena, like, I'm like, is this expensive? Is this like expensive for them to do, like clean up all the salsa? Like, is that like expensive? Like, was that, was this, is that why this is rare? Because it's, it's a costly thing to do. Cause it doesn't seem like it. And then I thought about that more and I'm like, yeah, but they're shooting now today in buildings they own and facilities they own like the performance center. But if they were going to rent out the Barclays or whatever and like trash 
Brooklyn Bangers or whatever in there. Like, what happens? Anyone? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm also curious about like what their, you know, like what their numbers were because the thing about it is like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a big risk to take to basically be like, well, we hope people will change the channel, and you have to imagine that there's a certain attrition rate in terms of okay well you know we're performing for a potentially huge audience but we also have to imagine that like that not all the people who would want to watch this are watching this or whatever so i wonder if like they you know just didn't do it again because they were like look this was this was good it was you know it was a good one-time risk to take to get people on board but like you know, we don't want these guys like doing this this kind of amazing match, uh, and and essentially like being up against you know the one of the biggest nights of the year where they won't necessarily get like the audience that they deserve. Well, I'll tell you this: um, at Pat's house, there was quite the debate over what we were going to watch during halftime, and I do not know how I got my way as the only wrestling fan in there, but I feel like I was just obstinate enough that I had to watch this during halftime that somehow Celebrity Deathmatch was not put on at that point. Or maybe they went to another room. I don't know. I just remember standing my ground very firmly that we have to watch The Rock versus Mankind from an empty arena, and I will not take no for an answer on this. Do you remember what everyone else said? Like, were they, did it was everyone else? Do you remember what the reactions were in your house? Um, I think it was like, no, we're, we're well, we're gonna watch Celebrity Death. And I'm like, no, I, I wish I had, I wish I had, I knew how important this was going to be later on to remember, but it was just no. I want to watch this and not listening to anyone else's side. No, no, I mean, I mean, like after, like. I mean, I might be presuming that they actually watched it with you, but like, they—I guess they, what I'm asking is, did this win them over? Got you, got you. They poked their heads in a few times, and I think there was a few, few chuckles and a few like interested moments, but it, there was no point where anyone was a convert to wrestling because of it. You know what's hard about showing some wrestling, someone who doesn't a wrestling something like this, because you know part of what I think we really appreciate and we talk about a lot, both on the podcast and off, is like the sort of balletic nature of wrestling and the, 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 the physical storytelling and all that stuff. And this match, while it had incredible storytelling and I, and I love the shit out of it and we'll go into all the reasons why it's great. It does though, if you step back, just look like a fake fight. Yeah. I mean, well, I look, here's the thing. And I, I've, I've encountered this over and over and over is like, uh, wrestling in general as an art form uh, I mean, I mean, I guess there's a lot of art forms that are like this, but like wrestling, especially because there's such an off-putting aspect to it initially, it I think it's very hard uh, if you don't build up. Um, if you it, it, like, it, it needs to build on itself. It needs to buy some credit with you, so that when it pays off, the payoff is really, really good. And like, you know, I think about when when Aaron and I used to live together and Aaron would be like, oh, my God, you have to see this match. And like, yes, did you know, did I find uh, the the Hell in a Cell 
uh, match where uh, where mankind lands on the thumbtacks. Was I like struck by that? Yes, of course. But like, I was struck by that specific moment, and the rest I was kind of like bored and just kind of like, uh, okay, I don't know what's going on. Or you know, it was just like a thing. But was, like, what having having approached it now, like the way that we've been doing it, of course, that was a huge, huge thing for me. Do you know what I mean? Even more so than than that, I think it's also like just the actions they're taking because like that match had wrestling, wrestling, like back body drops and more power bombs and stuff like this. Where this was more of just like a fake fight. You know what I mean? Like they were just hitting each other like they would in an action movie. I felt like, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't doing. Yeah. You know, her, her karanas and suplexes, you know what I mean? And, and, and flying cross bodies and either, you know, like it was a stuff. brawl. It was, it a, was brawl. a brawl. And yeah. I think for, uh, to see a brawl, then it, I mean, it just looks like a fake fight. I mean, I, again, this is a brawl I love, and this is not a knock to be like, this is bad, but I can put, take myself, like take a step back and like put myself in the shoes of someone who's like not familiar with how this all really works. I uh, can't appreciate that and just be like, it just looks like two guys pretending to punch each other a lot. But I think there's a marriage of what you're both saying, too. Like, um, we're much more willing to accept the brawl if we know kind of the storyline, if we know the stakes of what's going on behind it, too. Um, I remember there was was a summer after, I think it was my sophomore year of college. Um, I was living back at home, and so I would go and hang out at my friend Shannon's house most of the nights. And she was big into General Hospital at that point. Um, and so just going over there and she would watch it at night and, and seeing one episode, it's like, whatever. But then by the end of the week, it's like, okay, now I know the storyline. Now I know the characters. Now I want to yes. see what's happened next. Even though I don't like it, I still, there's that drive of what's going to happen next. And with something in a vacuum, especially with something like wrestling, which draws so much from soap opera, as Vince McMahon even alludes to during this particular match, um, yeah. you need to have the full picture in order to get the investment in order to make you want to see it again. Yeah. I mean, Vince gives, I mean, obviously we noted this, uh, Vince gives a really hard sell and he basically is just like, this is why you should be watching WWF. It's part action movie. It's part like soap opera. I love when and he just he calls gives- it Roadrunner. He says it's part Roadrunner, and I just love that description so much because there's so much of of the coyote in wrestling. Like you set up to do this amazing move, and it winds up backfiring in your face. Oh yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is definitely a Looney Tunes aspect to all of it. I mean, what's a more classic face heel dynamic than the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I can't wait for the Roadrunner to turn heel. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I like I I would even challenge and this is kind of, you know, I'll, I'll it'll be an open challenge to our listeners. Uh, like give us give us a match that you think could immediately like could immediately impress upon people. Uh, like, you know, that something that a person could watch who doesn't like wrestling and and like and and get uh, hooked because of it. Do you I'll, know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, I'll tell you right now. It would be a lot of NXT takeover matches. It would be like Gargano Champa matches, not the last one, but a bunch of those. It would be that um the first North American title match with like the six way ladder match at the takeover before Mania, I think two years ago. That like I think those are the matches that you show people and you're like, you can't watch that and be like not impressed. Like you can't watch like Ricochet do a shooting star press off a ladder and not be like, holy shit. 
Yeah, yeah. But then, yeah, I mean, look, this is this is why uh, everybody makes fun of me, but I'm a completist about everything. It's because, you know, like like when I'm when I've like when I'm like, you know what, I'm going to watch Night Court. I'm going to watch it from the very beginning because like, you know, obviously, yes, they're all episodic, but but you build up a certain cachet with the with the people who you're introduced to and as you have more and more experiences with those people, the the little things where they they suddenly, you know, go against type and all of that stuff, they actually have a bigger meaning. So like, you know, when a character does something that is unexpected, it's funnier because you're you've grown to like know and love these characters. I've, and it's the you know it's the same with all of these things. I have a feeling there's going to be some uh, New Japan heads who are going to throw some matches at us because like some of the the Kenny Omega like yeah. hour long matches from the Tokyo Dome and shit like that. Which listen, I well really hope in. so. I mean, listen, we can call it the the Talia challenge because <laughs> I will I would love to see if Talia responds to any of this. Uh, I've you know I've I've shown her some things and she's like yeah okay that's that's cool but like. Never, she has never, uh, I mean, and may, look, maybe she's just immune to wrestling in general, but, uh, you know, it, I think it's an interesting challenge in general is like the idea of like, take this thing that's out of context. And of course, yeah, I guess if you have like, you know, really athletic endeavors that will do something, but it'll be, it'd be very interesting to see if anybody could get drawn in based on story you know, matches with a lot of story to them. Yeah, I guess it depends on each other. Clip like the the kind of recap packages, like how much we're giving them. But also, this is kind of like a fun game. I mean, like you know, one day when we're allowed to all be together again, uh, like we could we could have like a challenge. Like all three of us pick a match to give Talia, Nathan, and Natalie, and be like, see which one of us can, can do the most. Con- like give them like sort of a blind test. Like you know, we each pick one match for each one of them, and uh, see who responds to what. I like it. Yeah. No. They they will hate it. I mean, well, no, <laughs> Natalie and Nathan like wrestling enough. They like it a little bit, you know. Enough, yeah. But I think to really impress them, um, yeah. no, yeah, no, it'll be hard. Well, should we talk about this fucking awesome match? Oh my god! Yeah, let's do it. Is. I love that they built a ring, constructed it in this arena, and they're in it for three minutes tops. <laughs> so they filmed this after another TV taping. Sure. So so that's sure they just Bobby, cleared everybody sorry. out. It, all right, great. Uh, so I gotta go. Um, have fun with the podcast without. Me. Wait, this reminds me of uh, somebody I work with. Apparently, his boss uh, on like a meeting was just like, "Yeah, apparently oil is like negative dollars per barrel. I don't know how they could do that." And like. Uh, somebody who reports to him was like, "Well, that means that uh, oil costs more to produce than it than you can sell it for." And it was just like, like, <laughs> like he was joking, man. You don't. <laughs> so, I love that in the world of this match, they constructed the ring and were only in it for five minutes. <laughs> and how Vince is like, keep it in the ring, very early on, as though that's going to happen. Though I did love Vince on commentary throughout yes. this, essentially jerking yeah, off to the rock. Yeah, he was very good. He was so he was like verbally jerking off to the rock. 
Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's so handsome, oh, and aggressive, and young. And I was like, Jesus, he's vibrant, Christ. intellectual. <laughs> Holy shit! Um, yeah, no, Vince was so good at it. I mean, honestly, he was, he was, and he was the only person on commentary. It was like, it was, it was like there was they had better um, safety standards than they do in current pandemic WWF, like because they. St- <laughs> They have two announcers in that. And, like, Vince was like, I could do this myself. So the first fucking awesome moment of this to me, um, they're they're fighting on the outside. Mankind's gone through the barricade. In, they're into the uh, folding chairs. Rock starts piling chairs on Mankind and then goes over to the commentary table to do his usual, like, talking during the match thing. And you see Mr. Sacco shoot up from the pile of folding chairs behind him as like the monster has arisen and, and the the hero has no idea what's behind him. I thought it was awesomely shot. And that's kind of the thing that I expected a little bit more of in some of these matches that they're doing now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I'm not expecting a, a, uh, boneyard match, a firehouse fun house brawl or whatever. Like I'm not expecting that, that level but i think we can get closer to this level no but some some been. yeah exactly some blocking yeah just like a little bit i mean and and also like i mean they've gone back to live now which i think is very stupid I actually they were better off taping these kinds of things so they can make it look a little better but just like yeah why not do that just angles and taping and change it up, especially without like the having to cheat things for the crowd i just feel like it still looks like they're filming it for an audience, like for a live audience. And that's why I'm like, why are we getting like some shots of some like cool angles and stuff? Even if you do a couple takes, I don't know, do a couple takes. We're going to film it anyway. Mm-hmm. But they definitely did some of that. I mean, you saw some of that. I definitely think in um, the WrestleMania matches this year. So then we're fighting up the stairs. Um, another great moment. Rock just hiding behind uh, and waiting for mankind to get up and then hitting him with the trash can. Yeah, I love this bump. I'm 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 very uh interested to find out why there are so many packing peanuts in the WWF universe. Like <laughs> are they always ordering things from Amazon? Like yeah. they gotta every get a- garbage is full with peanuts. They got to get all those ladders and chairs under the ring. <laughs> they got to order them all overnight. <laughs> um and can I just say, the kitchen sequence is a fucking oh. masterpiece. Oh, by the way, guys, let me just interrupt to say, uh, you might be on the on this uh, track. You might hear the uh, some pots and pans because it is seven o'clock, and this is this is every everyone is now supporting healthcare workers solely oh, by doing this. I was gonna say, let's 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 be clear. They're cheering healthcare workers. <laughs> right. Right. No, they're like if you if you ask them to you know pay you know pay more money for you know in taxes for these people to get you know uh, like salary increases or for you know I don't know healthcare for all uh, they may have different opinions but man do they love making noise wait man they will the pop they will bump a pop penny in their heart who are the healthcare workers that are being supported by taxes uh well I mean don't. I don't know. No, I, I guess none, none of them are being supported by taxes, are they? I guess that would be single payer. All right. Well, never mind. But 
listen, everybody gets supported by taxes in one way or another. Okay. That's the whole point of taxes. <laughs> but the kitchen sequence is a fucking masterpiece. Ugh. The, the, oh my god. The fucking speaking of Mick, uh the Foley work uh on the oven. Oh scene? god. Oh my god. So good. <laughs> <laughs> so good now that is some real foley on foley just that little sound effect just Ugh. sold that that oven is on that oven is hot and, and then chills. and when and when the rock was doing his mr bill with mr Sacco, no rock don't throw me in that oven oh <laughs> funny loved it just straight loved up fucking it. funny i i also liked how like uh basically going on going into the kitchen and a little bit after the kitchen it's like the rock hits the hits mankind with like eight chairs and then mankind hits the rock with a giant bag of popcorn <laughs> like so one-sided in terms of the kind of bumps that each person has to take so I may not have watched the Super Bowl commercial, but I did do research for this episode. Uh, and Mankind, uh, Mick Foley told the story about when this was airing, he was actually like in the middle of travel. Uh, so he was in an airport. He had to like find a lounge uh, to uh, to like find and watch it. Uh, and then that point, you know, he had to convince everybody to like change the channel from the Super Bowl halftime show or at least like one television to this. So they're kind of like watching and they're getting kind of into it. He's like, and then we got to that fucking popcorn bag and they were like, what? Like they were like, they, they were like so <laughs> with it. They were like so visceral and they were like, wait a minute, hold on. That wouldn't hurt. And like, it just like, like the whole illusion got shattered and he was like, oh man, he was like so disappointed in well, that that's choice. Too, that's too bad because I like the popcorn. I like him getting hit in the face with that and I love The Rock eating the popcorn. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, The Rock eating all of the things that he eats uh, is really good in this. Um, I mean, look, it, it it was the popcorn bump was super silly, but all, a lot of it was silly. I mean, and then it, it it if you don't have the popcorn bump, I think you uh, you you don't get to the ridiculousness of the the hotel breakfast buffet bump. Or bumps, where you know, all of a sudden now they're going through all of the uh, the steamer trays of everything. I mean, like it. I think it sets the table properly. Oh yeah, and the the stuff that's going on. At, first off, there's a lot of people at catering for an empty arena, and that mo- yeah. those moments at catering are like the genesis for every Fourth of July food fight that's happened on raw ever since oh yeah oh yeah and i was like what is this like teamsters union meeting like what who why oh oh Uh, oh oh rock gets confused by a decorative gourd (laughs) (laughs) also in this uh segment um they had the salsa the salsa bit here uh was so good not and Rock makes that joke that it's mild, and Mankind's like, actually, in real life, it was not mild, and it burned a whole lot. <laughs> he was like, actually, Aww. Rock is telling me that it's mild, He's like, but in real life, he's like, it actually was spicy. He's like, and it burned the shit out of like my eyes. <laughs> That's actually very similar to last week's episode, where, uh, you know, it's kind of like, oh yeah, for The Rock, like, those chair shots were not bad at all, but he wasn't the one taking them in the, in the head. Guys, it really hurt his wrist. <laughs> yeah i mean i like oh my god i like i'm assuming it was a moment when 
when mankind is like, you know, he's got the salsa in his face and it goes, my eyes, the sauce, my eyes. And then the rock takes a a chip, dips it into his face and goes, it's mild. That's a moment, right? Like I wasn't making that up in my brain. Yeah. The rock went, no, but it's mild. It's not, but it wasn't instead of yes. And it, I was, I said, no, but. Oh, I see. That's what you were yeah. saying. I'm like, no, I thought he just said, it's mild, which is, oh my God, the delivery was good. It was one of the funniest things I've I've maybe seen in wrestling. Um. So then Mankind goes for a low blow. Uh, the Rock gets a Pepsi, takes a little sip and pours the rest on Mankind. And then the fighting continues backstage in the office. And the office... Moments are almost as good as the kitchen moments. The phone calls. Yep. Ugh. Oh, how how convenient! A phone is a phone is ringing. <laughs> uh, at the corner of Know Your Roll Boulevard and Jabroni Drive. Ugh. So good. And we'll hear of the SmackDown Hotel for years after this. I mean, we we still might hear it in like a wrestle in a WrestleMania appearance next year. <laughs> Uh, and then The Rock takes a minute to be gross to an office worker, and that's his undoing. Who is like, who's like acting like she's into it at first? And I was like, no, 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 stop this. Yeah. But and we see this whole we see Rock being just horrible and terrible, and he's so mean to Mick Foley the whole time, and he's like calling him a fat fuck and be like, have some bread and all this. I was like, man, and like that's the kind of story he's telling stuff that I liked in this too. Like, that's what makes this cocky heel and vince is sort of jerking him off the whole time and he's humiliating you know mick who showed up in his toy the tercel earlier or whatever so i've heard and like <laughs> getting then that payoff at the end uh is great and i would sorry not to skip ahead too much well we, we won't but but we'll get there in just a second but i just got to say that also mick is like gone feral at this point he's squealing he is doing putting everything out there that he can against the rock and so then when it gets back to the loading dock and when he n- gets ru- n- the rock knocked out, that it's that much more jarring when all of a sudden he composes himself and he comes up with his final plan to finally put the rock down for the count. Bobby, you want to go into the ending of the match? Uh, he puts a manipulator on the rock, puts him down, and then takes a forklift with a pallet, yeah. um, which I think was, was full of, well, those are kegs, right? Yep. That's beer, right, Straits? Uh, is that what that's called? <laughs> it's kind of like a spiked seltzer, but gross. Um, so they, then he, <laughs> he, he puts that over him and then pins him on top of that. But first uh, he tells the guy who's on the forklift to move, oh, please. please. <laughs> oh, which is also so mankind. Like that's, such, like, that's such a character choice. And then we have the forklift cam of it lowering down on the rock. Oh, love that, too. He gets, he gets the pin. Mankind is a two-time champion in less than mm. a month. Mm. Yeah, very. That was a great ending to a great match. It was really fun. Very satisfying. Yeah, everything very about satisfying. this is satisfying. Oh, the only thing I wanted to bring up was when they cut in the middle of the match to Kevin Kelly and Shane McMahon, and Shane McMahon is so annoying, and Kevin Kelly is just like one monochromatic, like. He, like skin hair goatee all the exact same color 
like he's just like one beige like thumb sticking out of like a like an attitude era like polo or whatever i was like what kevin kelly was so upset that he didn't get to watch the big bad voodoo daddy concert (laughs) (laughs) kevin kelly loved swingers Listen, it was it was a, a mainstay for uh, for our people. So I gotta say, I don't think there's any doubt among this group that the uh, the optimal programming for that night was this match here. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes. No, I mean Jesus Christ! If I ever have to watch Celebrity Deathmatch again, I think I'm off of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we want to get rid of Eric, we know what to do. Yeah, we throw him into a vat of acid until he turns to a hamster, right? <laughs> or you launch me into space with your butt. <laughs> God, it's too funny. Just too funny. Right? Aren't aren't butts funny? Stop. Too Remember, funny. Remember, let's just keep saying T and A a lot. All right, guys, before we wrap up, I want to do uh, two quick shout outs. We got two very nice messages on our email address. One from Joe in Ireland who is listening to the podcast and sharing the attitude era with his kids and another one from Len in uh, Shanghai, China. So um, guys, uh, the world's crazy right now. Hope you're still enjoying it. Hope you're still listening. And if you want to write back any other time, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, that was, it's, it's awesome. To, I didn't even know about, about one of those. Uh, you'll have to share. Got it. But it's awesome to get those emails. We always want to hear from you. Love us, disagree, want to. You want to take us on a long, leisurely drive with Stevie Wonder? (laughs) And want to. Oh, God. Uh, Find out what the Matrix is. (laughs) Let us know. Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at hellinacellpod. Or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Myth by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back again next week for the St. Valentine's Day Massacre in your house.